Hello, and welcome to an all-new season of the Better Call Saul Insider Podcast. Was that, was that, the crowd is going wild here. This is amazing. (laughs) The crack of the bat. The thrill of the crowd. Um, But yeah, we're we're excited to have you guys back for another season, another 10 episodes. Uh, I'm Chris McCaleb. I'm one of the editors of the show, and with me, as almost always, is uh, you know her, you love her. She's been an editor on these shows since the the beginning of Breaking Bad. It's Kelly Dixon. Yay. Hi, everybody. Hi. How's it going, Kelly? Hi, I'm good. Everything is great. I'm on remote again, but it's good to be with you guys. That's right. You're off uh, working in an undisclosed location. Undisclosed location, working on Marvel's The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Hooray! Well, we're excited to have you, Kelly, and thanks for making the time, and thanks for getting through these episodes uh, so quickly, um, because we we were recording uh, things out of order again this year, just based on everybody's uh, lunatic schedule. And thanks, shout out to Jen Carroll for... Uh, putting all this together, Yay. producer Thank extraordinaire. You, um, and uh, a- as always, we've got the two co-creators of this program, Peter Gould and Vince Gilligan. Yay. 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 Yes, wait, that's the sound of us patting ourselves <laughs> on the back right now. Yeah. Um, and uh, you probably already heard his voice, and you probably already recognized Mike Aramitrout himself. It's Jonathan Bakes. Are we allowed to talk about El Camino yet? Do they know we've shot it in a dislocated, oh, yeah. <laughs> a dislocated location? Yes, it's already happened, has it? All long, right. long, I think even, even probably by the time folks listen to this, it's probably aired on uh, AMC, probably. I, I believe really? that's true. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and you may have even uh, heard... The El Camino Insider podcast that I was going to say, man, I am getting such mess on Twitter. I know, of me that too. Podcast, it, it'll man. come out. It'll eventually come out. <laughs> and um, I have to be all cagey about like I, it's like I don't know anything. Maybe soon, perhaps. Maybe. It's fun. We're teasing people, and it's it's great. <laughs> awesome. Uh, that's nothing. Nothing better than that people like on the internet than to be teased. Uh, well, no, there's a sweeping generalization. <laughs> like, like I, I put up the 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 two mules that that Brian and and uh, Aaron had put up. You know, when they were trying to tease the uh, the tequila thing, I put those up for a while, and I guess people didn't really take the jokes. <laughs> By the time you hear this, you'll have already heard it uh, if you're interested. And it's a great movie, and everybody's talking about it. Everybody that I know keeps coming up, like, "Did you work on it? Did you work on it?" Like. No, but we were. Maybe uh, there'll be a podcast someday that nice. you'll hear. Um, so I worked on that. That's nice. Um, but yeah, I, I do love that movie, and, and I also love this show. And we're here to talk about episode five hundred one. Don't forget Joey. Yeah, what about Joey? Oh, he's not here. Um, hi, 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 everybody. And, <laughs> hi, Joey. Hi. Joey Ranish. He's, he's just over there in his, his little button shirt and shorts. <laughs> and, all those knobs and, and buttons that you're messing with, do they actually do anything? No, this is all for show. Okay, yeah, there's good. only one button I need Good to thing press. we're doing a radio thing. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. You're impressing me, at least. So yeah, that's good. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. And, of course, Joey Reinish is here. Hi, Chris. On the ones and twos. The wheels of steel. <laughs> the wax attacks. <laughs> that, is that wax? We're not laying wax no, down, no, are we? Not. Is that how oh. these things work? Um, but yeah, we're here to talk about episode 501, which is... Does, does it have a title? Not yet titled. Okay. Is that true? Or is it? It hasn't been titled. What's the Magic, title? Magic Man. It's does called it Magic writer? Man. Yay! Does it have a writer and director? It, 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 well, it's one of those writers. In fact, the writer is uh, right here, and his name is Peter Gould. Hey! Hey! hey. It's, hey. it's an excellent episode. Peter wrote this, and it was directed by Bronwyn Hughes. Bronwyn Hughes. Bronwyn Hughes. What a blast from the past. Bronwyn Hughes hasn't, uh, she hasn't visited Albuquerque, at least for us, uh, yeah. since season one of Breaking Bad. Season and one. She, she is such a good director. She did, uh, she, one of the most iconic shots of all of Breaking Bad was, was hers, was, was Walt. Low angle looking up at Walt as he throws that piece of uh, fulminated mercury at the camera. And it was a God, what a great shot. And that was all her. And it, it did what, such a great job in that episode. What was it like uh, having her? What did, did she have a good time? Bra- I, think, I think Brahma had a great time. Uh, we, what you know, kept she, her away so long? That's a good question. Well, you know, she's in Canada. 
It's, it's she's in demand. She works all the time. She is in demand, and rightly and rightly so. There's other great directors that have worked on the shows that have been Canadians. That's that's really true. That's true. Oh my god, that is true. And you know, we have a another returning Canadian from Breaking Bad this season, Mark Freeborn. Yay, Mark Our production right. designer uh, came came back and had, 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 hasn't, hadn't been working with us since the last season of Breaking Bad. But he's Bad. not a director. He's, no, he's, he's a, not a director. He's a production designer, but he is a Canadian, Kelly. Right, okay. So we got to keep up that here. That was an excellent segue, Peter. That's, I was trying. I was trying really hard. That was excellent. And, and Mark Freeborn, oh, how great having him back. It was, it was a shame to see... Uh, Judy Ree leave us, uh, but she had to attend to some other things. Uh, she's a wonderful production designer. We, we uh, but uh, but then having Mark Freeborn back, uh, what a what a what a wonderful blessing that was. He, what a great job he, he's done. I can't wait for you guys to see all the rest of these episodes. Oh my god! Oh, yeah. oh my god! He pulls great stuff to come. Amazing. He's like he always he's like a cross between Santa Claus and a Hell's Angel. Mark Freeborn. <laughs> I love the guy. Everybody loves him. Hey, it so reminds guys, me of you, Mr. Banks. Sir? Except, except like, nice to people. No. Yeah. I was just working on a cross between a Hells Angel and Santa Claus. <laughs> and maybe Santa Claus is a Hells Angel. <laughs> great so, having both those folks back. Yeah. So, you guys, I'm, I'm curious because I, I just got to see the episodes this week. Um, I, I finished the, uh, well, I finished a whole binge watch this morning. But uh, I'm curious because I like to, I always like to start at the, be- in the very beginning so, Peter, when you guys got back in that writer's room, what was your thought process for this um, teaser? And this teaser is long, too. I think it's like 12, 14 minutes, something like, like that. Yeah, don't fuck it up. This is, don't fuck it up is number one. Uh, I, I, I think we all felt it was time to spend a little bit more time with Gene. It's, it's yeah. interesting how the, the Gene teasers have progressed. In the beginning, in the, uh, the first, in the pilot that Vince, Vince directed so beautifully, uh, Gene, I did, didn't I? Yeah, you did. You did. <laughs> you really did. Uh, in, in, the, in, in the in the pilot, it was more of a tone poem, and and then the the second season, it was a tone poem where you know he didn't even have the uh, the nerve to open that open that door and possibly set off an alarm briefly, and then uh, sees, now it's, there's a story there, and uh, so it was it was kind of exciting for us to tell. Um, to start getting into the story of Gene, uh, and I, I don't think it's a big secret after watching this teaser that there's probably more to come in the future. Yay! I hope so. What, a, what an amazing <laughs> teaser this is. How long is this teaser? It's it's like, a, it is almost 14 minutes. Wow. Yeah, it's the most concentrated time we've spent with Gene, who yeah. is you know, a bit of a mystery. It's also the most words that he's spoken on this show by That's a lot. That's true. Yeah. That's true. We didn't know what Gene sounded like. Yeah. Right? And, and I know that it, what, something we talked about is, is keeping his you – know, that, that Gene is a much uh, quieter guy. He's not a guy who wants to bring attention to himself, unlike Jimmy or especially Saul. And uh, so it, it's, it's, it is fascinating watching Bob inhabit this character who is so – you know, he resembles the other guys, but he's very unlike Jimmy or, G, or Saul. That's true. Uh, and, and Gene is in trouble. I mean, yeah. when we pick him up, when we left him last season, you know, he, yeah, he was he, just getting out of that cab, right? And right, then, and in in fear, and and we pick right back up, and 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 he's so, he's taken so he off, just, and he just walked back to the mall. So he walked back to the mall and got in his car, and he you know is going to be on the lamb. Is that the deal? That's well, the plan. Well, Shit, man. I think he I think he's retreating. He's making a fast strategic retreat he's he's kind of a scared mouse gene and it, yeah frankly he does a lot of the things that i would do in his position because <laughs> i'm uh, i'm a coward uh so except for it, what maybe hiding diamonds in a band-aid box I, what better place to hide diamonds <laughs> uh a little is that a little homage to oh, something absolutely yeah. it's it's a uh, marathon man i would just like to say to all you nefarious people out there that are looking to break into a home, you might check Peter's out and find out what's in that Band-Aid box. <laughs> That's a great idea. No. I like I'm that. no sell. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so it, he, he uh, hits, the, hits the snowy road and, uh, and then goes to a remote diner. He f- finds himself at a remote diner in Kansas, which I, I, I just wanted to touch on quickly because... Uh, did we didn't shoot that in Kansas? Did we? No, that's a that's a magnificent uh, matte painting done around a diner that's in 
Albuquerque, and you can you can go to that diner on Broadway. I on Broadway, yeah. yes, and, and I think anybody <laughs> no, literally it's a Broadway. It's Broadway, Broadway and Albuquerque, yeah. and yeah. anybody uh, who lives in Albuquerque is going to be fascinated to see uh, their local diner transported into snowy. Uh, are we still in Nebraska? Actually, we're not. We're in Kansas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very very rural, and and uh, it was fun uh, creating. Uh, the template, or not the template, but the idea of that. We we actually took a still That's from true. from. That's I mean, true. the, the fi- you wouldn't know this from the final, but we took a still for our temp version from North by Northwest. That's right. That's and, right. And, and for a little while, the, uh, Cary Grant was actually still there. We found we should have left him in there. <laughs> it would have been great. great. I would. If you look for that, that, that's the <laughs> Easter egg. If you look really hard, Cary Grant is in every frame of this season of Better Call Saul. You know, you know. Actually, I have a still of uh, of that. that, that you, what you did there temporarily, uh, Chris. And maybe maybe if I remember, I'll post that on Twitter after right. this uh, after this airs. That, <laughs> uh, it, but it what that's what we wanted. We wanted. Uh, we were thinking about uh, you know North by Northwest and that great that great that great scene and just also you know this this little. A little homage, maybe, or an echo. Hey, hey, Peter, I'm curious, though. Like, you know, when you guys sat down in the writer's room to come up with this teaser, and it's a much longer teaser, and you decided that you wanted to, you know, sort of do a little bit more, give Gene a little bit more this time. I mean, you know, what were, what were, you know, what were the thoughts as far as throwing that stuff out there, the diamonds, and, you know, getting him to Kansas, and getting him back, and, and then, of course, you know, getting him made. You know, in the in the mall. I think mostly we were just thinking about what if you were really prepared, if you had, had, had were smart enough to have Robert Forster, who yeah. we'll talk about more in a moment, yeah. Yeah. disappear. You, um, what would you do? What would your preparations be? What would if you were cautious? If you weren't someone who was working off the cuff, what were the what would be the things that you would do? And uh, I and it was also just paying off things that we've done before, which is you know we always. You know, probably if there's a writer's room secret here is that we look back as much as we look forward. So, we, you know, we we, we had in uh, in the very pilot of uh, Better Call Saul, we had that Band-Aid box and we wanted right. to think about what's what is in that box. Uh, so that those were all those were all things that we were thinking about. And I mean, I, I really as a I mean, you know, I haven't been around uh, there for two years and um, and I didn't read the scripts. I mean, it's my second year of not reading the scripts and just seeing the episodes. And we and miss I you, think- Kelly. Oh, I miss you guys too. Thank you. But I just want to say that I appreciate the fact that you guys are doing that. I mean, you know, I know I don't think I ever really took it for granted while I was there. But as you know, a person who's just watching, I really appreciate all of those little nuances. I mean, they really, really help. And I, I, and that's why I keep asking about, you know, the writers' room because I think it's it's one of those places that's very, you know, um, people are fascinated by that. You know, how did you come up with that? So. It's it's the magic of the writers' room, and I, everything everything that I do in the writers' room, I learned from uh, the guy sitting in my left, Vince wow. Gilligan. And he is he is he's the source of wow. all the methodologies here. We well, all, you guys are a good team. Very kind. We always learn from each other, and 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 I guess, and I was not here at all for the. This is why it's so much easier for me now to say how great Better Call Saul is because Peter and the writers are just just kicking the shit out of it just just knocking it out of the park and obviously the actors obviously the actors before (laughs) these guys get carried away with themselves (laughs) who the hell do they think is delivering this show that's true (laughs) but you guys were delivering it when i was still there and now i'm i'm stepped away and peter and the writers are just just killing it and uh but i mean i guess it's uh, in the it's just you know you start i guess i'm guessing because i wasn't here for this one but i'm guessing you start off by saying, "What would what would I do, right? Yep, yep. Uh, if I were if I were if I were Gene at this moment, and I knew it was the axe was coming down on my neck, what what would I do?" And so he goes to Kansas. To he how how far a drive do you think he made there to to go to that little uh, diner? How far away did he go? He went across the border just to see if the heat was going to follow. Or? That's exactly yeah. right. That's exactly right. I mean, I think the other thing that Jonathan brings up. Uh, himself, which is which is which is uh, accurate. Uh, 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 the other thing, we get more courage, I think, every season because we're so fascinated by these characters and what it's like to watch uh, Jonathan and Bob and Ray. They they can they can pull off so much without dialogue or in between the words. There's so much. There's so it's so fascinating to watch these guys. We get a little bit more nervy, I think, every season about how much to put under the words and and uh, how how few words sometimes we really need so that that's it's well, i think that, i think too i don't know off the top of my mind i was thinking the other day now i get nominated a lot and I, you know 
then never win. But I, I thought if I was ever to win, I thought I really want to thank the guest actors that come in and and oh my God, what a crew that's been over the years. But what you guys do too, what you've done with casting, <laughs> it's just pretty great, man. We got great casting folks, Sharon and Sherry and Russell. Man, the casting on this show and the previous show and and, and the movie and all that just is amazing. The, it's, the well, actors, I agree. You know, amazing. One, yeah. And since we're talking about the teaser, how great is Don Harvey? I was going to bring him up myself. He's great. He is great. And we cast him for the previous season. Yeah. So he was just a pair of eyes yeah. back at, back in season four. And now we get to see him, and boy, he is fantastic. He's, what is he now? I I know I recognize him. I, I really am. Yeah, what I felt is like he? That too. He Mil- is so good. So many, so many things. Can, He's good. Him. Can I? Well, I'm just going to say it. You know, I think what people know too is that Vince and Peter and and the casting people and the directors, producers, they all have friends that. They are. They have access and knowledge and of great actors who happen to be their friends, and it puts the showrunner, it puts the the producers in a rough spot, because even though their friends are are so good, they don't feel maybe that it's right for that role, and and that's a tough one. And that's a tough one to turn away when you turn away when you when you have a friend that you want to use and and don't. Yeah, no, that's the truth. There are there are people I don't name any of them who we talk about constantly in the writers' room, and we, wouldn't this be a great spot for this person uh, who I know and 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 try to think about putting putting someone in? And sometimes it's just it takes years, uh, and then. Finally, hopefully, you find a spot before the show's over. But Some, a lot of times you don't. But talking about yeah. casting, talking about casting, I, I think we really yeah. ought to talk about Robert Forrester. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Uh, this is this is uh, yeah. It's, God, what a wonderful gentleman. Just uh, this is really. It's it's as we record this, it's probably uh, just about two months after he passed away. Yeah. And uh, nobody, none of us saw that coming. And God bless him and his whole family. What a wonderful, wonderful gentleman! And what a, what a performance! What a performance! And and he's just uh, you, did you and you you said you were saying before we started rolling you met him once. Uh, we met once. Yeah. We met we met one time, you know. And I said, you know, you're great. And uh, but that is a good example. I will tell you this: that all those years ago, reflections in the golden eye and and and, and the the desert that was between that, as far as him working and, and getting good roles that just think how many people had worked with Robert Forrester that went oh that's a great boy I really like to you and and didn't and didn't and thank God in the end that you know he he came out strong and really strong and wonderful and a, a, a wonderful artist I would have loved to we thought we've talked about this I think in the room long before Robert passed away. We didn't we talk about that? Uh, how can we can we possibly figure out a way to have uh, Mike and Ed, yes, Jonathan Banks and Robert Forster together, and we just could not figure it out because the whole crux of it was that 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 was the one thing Saul Goodman had as a little bit of back pocket information was the disappearer was Ed Gal- Galbraith, uh, the disappearer. Uh, if 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 Mike had known about Ed, his existence, it would it would blow everything up, and we couldn't uh, we couldn't we couldn't do it. We just you couldn't get there. You couldn't get there from here, so to speak. You could we couldn't make that happen. But I remember us talking about that uh, a I, lot. I, I also remember that one of the blessings of Breaking Bad towards the end is that we would start breaking a story, and I think you brought Robert up first, and we were. In the room, we were calling this character Robert Forster, right. and yeah, wow. right. and then wow. we got him. We got him, and yeah. I got to direct him. I guess, it, amazingly enough, it was only one episode that he yeah. was in a Breaking Bad, and it yeah. was happened to be my episode. And what a delight, and what a pleasure, and what actually was one of my proudest moments as a uh, budding director. We were doing a scene. I said to him, "You know, you can just." Take as much time with this as you want. Just go ahead. Take you, you 
if you feel a moment, just take it. And he turned to me and he said, you know, I've never had a director say that to me before. <laughs> but I just trusted him and I, I trusted his, his instincts and his timing uh, because he, he, just, he just knew it. And he had, he had a flow and intimacy with, with, with the character, but also everybody on the crew loved him and that was one of the things uh, just you know what a, what a what a pleasure to be around someone who is such a pro and so warm and uh, just brings it every single minute but he also it reminds me too it reinforces that being still because my god he could all he had to do was stand there oh yeah and it works yeah <laughs> Yeah, it's a Spencer Tracy thing, the old Spencer Tracy thing. Just all you have to do is plant your feet and say the lines, but you got to mean them. And uh, no, he's we won't see his like again. He's uh, he's uh, just. It's funny. I as you just said that. I because I wasn't even on the set when you directed that marvelous uh, penultimate episode of Breaking Bad, Peter. I I felt like I was there. I visited a little bit, but I feel like it's it's, it's funny. Uh, I feel like I I knew Robert better than I actually did, and I realized only a couple hours into the first day of of of, shoot, of directing his scenes in El Camino in the movie that I had never actually directed them before. Hmm. And it was just uh, that's right because you directed uh, you directed him in that in that, and I wasn't even there, but I just had this image in my head like I had. I'd seen the whole thing like I'd been there, except that I wasn't. God, he's so great in your episode. He was so great in uh, in the movie, and uh, yeah, I just. Well, uh, and are yeah. we are we allowed to talk about how this was shot? I think we should. Oh yeah, because yeah. the reason Robert is in uh, Better Call Saul is because of uh, Vince in and, this particular episode. And, and in this yeah. particular yeah, yeah, episode, right. uh, because of you and, and Melissa Bernstein, because the way uh, I didn't think we could have him I didn't think we could do the vacuum cleaner store so when we first broke the episode he was just going to be a voice right and uh, Melissa called me and said you know would you be interested in actually having him physically appear and I said hell yes <laughs> uh, and uh, so so how did that how did that go Vince it was all Melissa all credit to Melissa uh, we were directing the the vacuum cleaner store scene in uh in El Camino, and we reconstituted that whole vacuum cleaner store. It's now that store is a uh, is a furniture store now. It was a vacuum cleaner store right. when we used it in Breaking Bad because uh, we didn't have the money to turn a furniture store into a vacuum <laughs> right. cleaner store in Breaking Bad. We found a real vacuum cleaner store. It went out of business. The va- the furniture store that exists there now, the the wonderful folks who own it, uh, let us paint it, let us uh, close them down for I don't know quite a while redress it with vacuum cleaners and so there was no way on earth that on a on a tv schedule and tv budget we could have done it uh for just simply for that one little bit in 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 better call Saul. but uh while we're shooting away and and this also speaks to and if you're for all the burgeoning uh showrunners out there uh, do plan in advance as much as you humanly can mm-hmm. you are to be forgiven for not knowing the end of your show you know Eight years later, you know, uh, eight years from now, when you when you start it, you, you shouldn't be too rigid about your uh, figuring out where your show is going. But as much as you can in advance, it will help you in per- terms of production. And thankfully, Peter and the writers knew that they, uh, you know, they were working as far ahead as they could. And they and you, so you guys knew you could use them. So we we shot uh, we we changed the aspect ratio on the camera, you know, from. Uh, 2.35 to 1 to 16 by 9 and we uh, shot shot that little once that little b-side of the phone call for you on the uh, uh saying thank god robert has uh, made it onto a better call Saul that way that's nice. right that's cool so it happened during the shooting of uh, the movie yeah that's cool i'm trying to remember back when <laughs> i was throwing a lob ball here and i just sat there with blank because i'm trying to remember where and when and what Back into Breaking Bad, yeah, with the with the vacuum cleaner store. Yeah, help me out. Here. He was he was the disappearer. It was uh, Ed, right. Ed, I know he had that. the vacuum store. We had it when the in the uh, se- uh, second to last episode that Peter yeah. wrote and directed. It's like um, Saul Goodman and and Brian right. Cranston are in the basement. Yeah. And they've both been, you know, they're who both procures, there. Who procures, though, but who procured the, the, the Robert Forrester, the, the, the expediter, the guy who gets you out of there? 
who whose knowledge was that? There's a phone number that Saul has, and we never find out okay. where he got it from. But he gives it to Jesse. He gives he tries yeah. Jesse. Jesse's yeah. going to disappear. Yeah, yeah. And we we establish that God, I don't know, a couple seasons before, right? Yeah. Or at least one season before the final season. And it's good you don't remember this because Mike was not. It was the one. Mike is smart and as all knowledgeable as he was about the workings of the uh, criminal world there that was the one guy he couldn't know otherwise the whole thing would have fallen apart I mean, yeah he would have might he would have gotten his family out of there he would have gotten himself out of there if it had he known i think that's a really Ed. good piece yeah. of gold too that i didn't yeah. know that's pretty interesting thanks you guys but then also but at the but before jesse couldn't have mean, gotten away either i mean when jesse couldn't have gotten away right. from mike if mike had known about the disappearance yeah right? i mean yeah my, there was a time earlier yeah mike might have uh, availed himself of his services later maybe but uh although mike mike was pretty self-sufficient he could probably figure it out he mike was the one guy that could who didn't need the disappear services but earlier on he could self-disappear he might have he might have had to go mano a mano with the disappearer you know, I might have had to kill him or, you know, shake him down or something. That would have been, I'm, I'm glad is, it worked out the way This is off the wall, but but products that they sell you now, electronic products. <laughs> and, well, no, I have, uh, I play some chess and poorly, but it's, I was given a, a board where the, they make the moves and they do that and you can play against the computer essentially. The further we go and without being paranoid about it, all the electronic devices that, how easy it is to have a camera somewhere that's oh, freaky yeah. it's, it's oh, kind of one of the one of the great things about these shows um it's especially better call saul being set back in time <laughs> is that you, we don't have those i mean now it's like oh just you know check the check check the gps records on yeah. the phone yeah and you know it's it's sort of like uh, john august talks about that in the movie go yeah. He's like, if we, if everybody had cell phones in 1999, the movie would be about 15 minutes long. <laughs> <laughs> they would just like solve, solve all their problems. It's all about communications, baby. Can exactly. I tell you, I'm working on something now, and it's the first thing I've ever written that actually has smartphones in it. Oh. And I just, then I'm, I'm thinking to myself, how can I put this back in time so I don't have to mess with this shit? <laughs> because I, 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 I'm, I'm not going to go off on a long tangent here other than I'm sure I'm the biggest Luddite at the table here. But I, I remember a time before smartphones, and I don't remember the world being miserable. I don't remember it being one iota less happy than it is now, perhaps happier. At least I was. Well, but I maybe that's because I was younger. I don't know. But. Well, since I, I have you by several years, um, when I used to get an audition, yeah. and Universal, we're just around the corner from Universal here, and I was living in Santa Monica, and they say, you have an audition tomorrow at 12 noon. I would have to drive to Universal right. at 5 o'clock in the afternoon. Freeways were a little better then. Yeah. Pick up the sides. Take them back, memorize the lines, and show up again. Yeah. It was, uh, but it's what everybody did. Yeah, yeah. It's what it's just the way it it's was. It's not that long ago. I used to not that long ago. I was bringing, I would hand carry scripts to producers. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's when I remember bringing my baby daughter with me. I did uh, that driving driving over uh, and, and bringing. Hey, here's a draft. I did yeah, that. No, I'd, I'd go to Kinko's. I'd print up. Six copies of my current screenplay. I'd put them in the FedEx. I'd, I'd hit the FedEx mailer and send them out to California when I was living in Virginia. Yeah. No, I don't know. Everyone listens. Like, Who the fuck cares? What the hell are we well, talking about? Okay, I, but, I'm interested, know, but it, know, it, it is, it is, is true, impossible though. that we'll be able to talk about everything in this Okay, right. and I'm sorry. Say, well, I want to say, say, I'm okay I'm, with yeah. that. You know, okay, now we're all going to talk at once. Can I just... I'm going to step in here before we get to the end and you guys say, oh, we got to go. We haven't talked about anything. Well, which so. is one one second though. I was going to say to Vince, if he's having to deal with with smartphones, yeah, there is no film that if you throw a a car in there or you throw in a a phone that you immediately are dated. You oh yeah, date it just like that. That's All right, true. Shut up. Kevin. No, you're no, right. I'll shut up. That's true. No, it's <laughs> uh, but it, it it's uh, if you use the current technology, yeah, ten five years, three, eighteen months from now, it's dated. You're right. It's that's that's where we are from from now on. It's weird. You used to be able to date movies by the clothes people wore. Someone someone smarter than me thought of this, mm. and I'm only repeating it. I can't remember where I read it, but the the odd thing is. Up until, I don't know, the 80s or some point, someone figured out smarter than me. You could tell when a movie took place by the clothes. 
If I were a fashion designer, I don't know how happy I'd be about this, but everyone dresses now. Everyone is just a jeans and a T-shirt now. And speaking as someone sitting here wearing exactly that, but, you know, you watch a movie from the 40s wearing uh, big lapels and fedoras and two-tone, you know, leather shoes. And if it was the, set, you know, the, the 80s, it was broad, uh, you know, shoulder pads. And it was like, it's weird. Well, but in the, in the 50s, they all looked like they were wearing cigarette machines. Yeah. They were squared off. Yeah. Really bad fashion. Well, isn't that weird? It's, it's weird. Apply, we're in a weird limbo now, fashion-wise. Okay. But 19, yeah. 1930s. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to use that little segue to jump <laughs> straight into I'm staring into the microphone, Kelly. I'm now staring into the microphone. You're getting the dead mackerel eyes, Kelly, just so you know because Sorry, everybody that was well, my fault i'm gonna use that because the next thing that really happens is you know saul's getting his his name change and kim's kind of questioning it but the reason that i even wanted to use that segue is i notice jimmy is going full-on saul we get the wardrobe and is jennifer still doing wardrobe for the show yeah absolutely yes. jennifer bryan and it's really brilliant. really fun because it's not full Saul, but you can see the progression, and I love it. It's all steps, and, and it's interesting because our cast, some of them, especially Jonathan and Bob, are kind of, and Giancarlo, are kind of taking characters who they've already played and then going backwards with them. All. And, and nobody does that more than Bob. And you'll also see he talks with his hands in a different way mm-hmm. th- this season than he did last season. He's got he's, so talk, talk about that. Really, I didn't even notice that. It's wow. it's Bob is and you, you. It's something that's very clear, especially in the editing room, that you can see he he is he is very deliberately. I, I it must be deliberate. It looks completely natural, but he's he's starting to do wow. uh, gestures. He's, yeah, sta- his he's changing his are mannerisms changing. are, but not wow. in every scene. It depends on which. Which mask he's got on? Did at you that have particular a conversation moment. with him about this? Or uh, we probably talked about it briefly. Wow. But Bob is, ex- you know, he's a brilliant guy. He is, but he got over creative. he got over his shoulder injury too. So that's, now he's able to use his. That's that's <laughs> absolutely that's absolutely true. Also, but I think the the key the key thing for us, Kelly, uh, or the thing that we struggled with in the writers' room was not what is Jimmy going to do next because it really felt that for once uh, our path forward with Jimmy was a little clearer at the beginning of the season. Right. But our big question was what the hell is Kim doing with this? Right. And how right. does she how does she deal with this? And uh, I think that's where this episode really does springboard uh, our show in a in a slightly different direction or sometimes a very different direction this season uh, in ways that I think will become more and more apparent as the season goes on. Uh, I, just as as we're talking about this though also cuz we have mentioned a couple of our, our guest actors. I want to mention that, you know, as a writer, you, you write a scene and you kind of have hopes of how it's going to, you play it in your head. You can't do anything else but play play it in your head as you as you write it and as you pitch it. Uh, it's rare that, that on first viewing, uh, you see something and go, wow, that is not only everything I hoped it would be, but it's a thousand times better. And and one of the scenes that I feel that when that hap- that's happening, uh, more and more in my career on this show, but there's there's there was one really special moment or scene for me in this episode, which is actually towards the end, where where Ray Seahorn is with Bobby and Lois, who are played by Roland Buck and Paige Collins, and uh, and there's that scene where she's she ends up under maybe under Jimmy's influence, lying to her own clients, yeah. and that just felt I, I just was so impressed by everyone, uh, the way that came together. And I, I think for the audience, that may seem like a very small scene or a very uh, something very straightforward about it. But for me, there's any, it's anything but. It's yeah. heartbreaking so, to me to it's watch so her complex. do that. Yes. And, and it's Ray, a great scene. Ray Seahorn is, is uh, every day in every day in the editing room, we're saying, God, Jonathan Banks is so good. We're saying, "Oh my God, look what look what Ray's doing in this in this take." What but what's Bob? What, look what Bob's doing here, uh, and we have the, you know the the privilege of getting to see so much of the material, so much more than you guys get to see at home, because there all of it, there's, really. there's 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 many scenes where we're going. Well, what, this is great, and this is this is great, and then here's something that's different, and it's also great. How do you pick between two? great moments and and we have that's part of the struggle in post well and we we got that in spades for can me I, can oh. i also ask about the sock garters sock garters <laughs> my 
<laughs> my grandfather wore socks. They're so weird. But you know, it's funny because well, how do you um, keep your socks up? <laughs> I don't. You know, I how don't. How do you remember. keep your socks up, Kelly? <laughs> Elastic came um, after 2005, yeah. so yes. that's when that's Elastic right. was invented. I don't that's remember in in Breaking Bad um, that Saul wore crazy socks, but I'm seeing him, you know, experiment with the socks. I thought we I thought really, that was kind of so cool. We didn't really see him at home oh. in uh, Breaking Bad. Oh, yeah, wait, but I, mean, I remember seeing like his feet or something. I just remember uh, seeing like brown socks or something. I want to tease the audience here. Oh, this season you're going to see some socks like yeah. you've never seen before. That's sock wait action. Till, wait till you see the socks in episode eight. There, yeah. there are some pretty incredible yeah, yeah. socks. Yeah, there's some good yeah, exactly. socks. Oh, so Who's, good. Whose idea was the action. sock garters? Was that Jennifer Bryan? Uh, yeah. It, who, you know, who knows where it so where good. these things come from. She is fantastic. I do, did remember my grandfather wearing them. I remember somebody else wearing garters, and it wasn't my grandfather. <laughs> well, let uh, me ask you guys this, because, you know, you guys have brought Lalo back, um, and Lalo's a really big part of, you know, the Tony you know, Dalton. what happened Tony, to awesome as Tony Dalton. Uncle Tio. And Way overrated actor. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Tony, and beyond that, Tony is such a good guy. He's yeah. a pleasure to have around. He has a sense of humor, and it's just great to have him around. He's Jonathan, very, what, very menacing. What, what was yeah. it like for you? Because we, for, as as a viewer, you know, we the last where we left you, Mike, uh, he had this, you know, this sort of cat and a mouse chase and phone confrontation with this very menacing figure who seems to have him made, but you weren't actually physically in the room with him. And here in this episode they come face to face for the first time. No, it was great. I mean, it's great because t Tony is giving me that, that lovely smile <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> and it's, these are two guys who just, uh, they'd kill each other in a second. It was, <laughs> it, no, it was, it's fun. It's fun. Tony and I spent a lot of time together and it's, uh, we have a good time. Is that the old paint factory where you guys did that scene? No, it's a auto place, right? Well, uh, what am I saying? What what is it? We're talking about the one a where huge warehouse. It's right? a yeah. it's a it's a huge warehouse. It is. It's a decommissioned paint factory, Vince. Yeah, like an old Sherwin Williams right. paint factory that we used a couple times. Which I won't say what we used it for later in the yeah. season, but we used it. Interesting how one location can be probably in this one year three different places. I only reason I brought that up is because the episode I directed, uh, episode eight coming up later in the season, we shot in the same place, but for a very different. It was a repurposed as a very different location and it's interesting used, how you can do you used that. a different part of it it's a it's an interesting problem we have because the the uh, the chicken farm as established on breaking bad does not exist for us i mean the chicken <laughs> coops are down uh, all that all that is gone and so we have to uh we have to basically every time you go to gus's chicken farm I think so far it's been a different location every time. So it's the magic of the movies. It is. You don't, you know, who it knows? You, you have to be told this. There's no way you could figure it out on your own. Thank yeah. God that chicken farm is gone. The toxic waste <laughs> that was out there. I mean, you didn't yeah. want to turn over a piece of dirt That's out true. at that place. It was bad. Chicken I was going to say something about Tony, though. You know, Tony showed up in Albuquerque. He, he lives in Mexico City. He, not unlike Brian, when they to stole Brian's computer with the script on it, when he went up on a hike, and Tony did the same thing, they got his passport. And oh, my Tony, God, that's right. Oh, I've forgotten about Tony this. Tony could not get home oh, for a long, long time. Wow. I mean, he was Because he, he lives in there. Mexico, right? He lives in Mexico. And this was on top of Sandia Peak. Somewhere, somewhere. I don't know where he went to hike. Okay, but it's you got to be careful when you leave your car. I'm not, I'm not laughing; it's terrible. You should do what Gene does: leave it in a shoebox in a, in a hidden <laughs> yeah, compartment yeah. inside your apartment. Maybe your box. diamonds. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Can I can I ask you, um, Peter, as far as like Lalo though? I mean, I'm curious about because Lalo is very charming, but he's very menacing. He's scary to me, and um, I'm curious about like with Gus because Gus is basically kind of. You know, Lalo's, you know, very curious about what's going on with Gus, with the construction and stuff. But Gus is also playing him. But do you think, or maybe you don't want to say, but is Gus intimidated at this point? What is Gus's, what are Gus's feelings about Lalo snooping around? I think Gus is extremely frustrated. I think this guy is the fly in the ointment. This guy, and he is, uh, Lalo constantly shows that he's 
smarter than your average cartel member. Yeah, he is, exactly. He is a worthy. He is a worthy opponent for uh, for Gustavo Fring, and it's and it just got. Gus doesn't like it one little bit. No, I agree. I mean, just as a fan, I yeah, I don't think he's intimidated, but I think he's mad as hell. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. But it's Does, all that it's all that chess game about these guys between Mike and 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 Lalo and and Gus Fring, the chess game. Yes. yes can yes. they all die? They can die. But, but how do I get rid of this? What do I what do I need to get rid of? Yeah. And this is also the season where, you know, this is this relationship between Gus and Mike. Uh, yeah. has changed radically uh, from what happened with Werner at the end of last season. Right. And Mike, this is the episode where Mike tells Gus, not in so many words, but you, you certainly put it over, screw you, screw you, screw your money, screw all this. Yeah, I'm uh, done. Yeah, that's yeah. a great scene. Yeah. And and before that, the uh, the scene, I love the scene with uh, you basically saying farewell Send, to the boys. Sending uh, the, the German Germans off, yeah, that Santa's, was great. Yeah. That was uh, what was that like to shoot? What was that? Uh... It was good to hit that one kid. <laughs> um. <laughs> I know when I saw that, I gotta say, when I watched that, I watched it like two days ago, and the guy comes up to you and says something like, "I'm not gonna talk," and I'm like, "You already said too much, man." <laughs> That's a great I, did, I didn't expect you to punch him, so I was very, very surprised and excited to see that. But man, I was like, "Dude, you're already saying too much." Kai, the character Kai is such a prick, but the the guy, it's so funny. That's the the magic of acting. The guy who plays him, Ben Bella Baum, is the sweetest guy in the world. But yeah, his character, yeah, you were. I was waiting for that character to get punched myself, and then and then the, and then I've <laughs> been I, brewing for a whole season. <laughs> oh yeah. And then is it Stefan? Uh, is it uh, is it uh, uh, Casper who come who then right. who then yes. uh, says he was worth ten of you. Yeah. What a great line that was! Uh, yes, it was, and and to stand there and know that 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 and feel that that was the truth, quite honestly, is what I was feeling. But um, yeah, I like that. Peter, and we were, was we, it? we were so grateful to have these guys come back, uh, and often I think Bella, Ben Bella, actually traveled from Germany to be be in the be on the show and wow. uh, to come back to come back for these uh, these few vital scenes, because if we hadn't had these characters and had had this scene i think your the implication would have been that these guys end up in a in in yeah. a desert dead yeah. which is gus is not pharaoh you know he doesn't he doesn't uh, he doesn't kill he doesn't kill indiscriminately and if he you know if, if that had been the situation th these guys would have had it been under death sentence from the beginning so yeah. but it was very important i'll say it was very important to me uh to to calibrate that and to understand how Mike and Gus are doing business as much as we could. Yeah, I, I think it's really valuable. And I, I like was... the fact that it was, it's very sort of cat and mousey, chessy kind of thing like that. It's really exciting. Yeah, I thought that was a great moment. And thanks to, to Sony and AMC for paying for stuff like that. Because, yeah, a lot of shows, and, and I don't mean this in any disrespect or any of the show, but a lot of times you're just in a box financially. And so you say, well, got to do the scene where 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 mike says to gus gus says hey, what about the other workers ah oh, we put them on a plane and then you don't see it happen yeah, yeah. it's nice to be able to show that because yep. it is important to see it because it yeah so much of this show and the show before it were about process and about you know how do you how do you go about in, you know, in this case, it's about uh, building a criminal it would have enterprise. Been, it would have been terrible not to show that. Yeah, it, because so after, the, after what happened to Werner, yeah. that the, the audience, they want to see these guys. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah, I yeah. agree. We've got a little less than 10 minutes left. Yeah, I was going to say, well, you know, it was great to see Saul setting up, you know, is it the ADA? I can't remember his name, ADA. Oakley? Um, in the I love yeah. that guy. And, and I know Seth. you guys love him. And, and seeing your kid Kubrick and the fake news crew, that was really oh. fun. <laughs> I love those guys. Haley, All of them. Haley, Josh, and Julian are great. And by the way, a uh, big shout-out to Josh Fadum. He was so great in uh, season one of uh, I'm Becoming a God in Central Florida. He, uh, they, I, I, I was so happy for that? him. He is in oh, that, man. and he has a great role. And he is—he is, he is a, a truly his own kind of funny. He is—he is a—he is, a, he is a, a real. Th these guys are all so talented. One of the challenges we have is that we have such a murderer's row 
of uh, supporting players. It's it's a challenge. It's always a little bit sad that we can't give everybody the big moments. And uh, I'm, but I'm so glad when when I see Josh, who I, I'm really happy with everything we've done with him. But he. He could he could be a lead he could be a lead on his own show when and I, I bet he he will be too there and the guest star after well, guest actor yes. after guest actor you could say the same thing same as far with as Peter I'm to Seth as far as I'm concerned I'll, I'll pay him compliments just yes. keep him out of there I don't want him certainly <laughs> stepping on my turf <laughs> I don't want the audience to go well you know that old guy's not that great why don't they use somebody else yeah. <laughs> and I I also want to say that you know. Um, uh, I, I want to give it up to Chris. Chris cut this episode, and I really oh. love the Jimmy phone montage. I thought that he did a great, great job with that. And oh, I thanks, loved the, Kelly. the use of the bell. I thought the bell was really great, and yeah. I just thought that was really fun. That Beautifully was, edited. Yes, and, you know, of course, Chris, as, as, as longtime listeners of this podcast know, Chris was your assistant, Kelly. Yep. And, Kelly, you are generally acknowledged as one of the uh, – one of the the masters of the montage, and oh. we have uh, and we've spent many a long hour, or I've spent many a long hour watching you sweat over one of these crazy montages, and, and, uh, so, and your shadow. I will say your shadow is it was cast over that. There were a couple of times where uh, Chris would Chris would say, you know, I I would do a bunch of split screens here. But I know we can't do that because Kelly already did that in uh, in that amazing uh, inflatable montage yeah, back in, in back in season two. So wait, there's not just Avid Software that does this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just you cut the slates off and you hit assemble. Oh fuck! And I then wish it I had that does button. That. Yeah, wouldn't that be great? It'd save us a lot of time. That's right. Um, and, and we'd all be out of a job. Well, but, but I will say, I mean, I appreciate that. That's so nice of you guys. Um, you know, I got, you guys gave me a great opportunity to be very creative, you know, the, all those years. And, you know, I got to really, you know, kind of start to really get good at stuff like that. But I talked to Chris a couple of days ago about this montage. And I just said to him, look, once you guys were okay with the boxes and inflatable. I felt like the world opened up. I was like, you could do anything now. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and we, yeah, we talked, we talked yeah. about th this was, yeah, this was no different from, from other montages and that there was a, there was a lot of, uh, of, uh, of, uh, sweat and, and tears that went into it. But uh, I, I'm really happy with the way it turned out. What yeah, I love of, also, one, oh, I'm sorry. One of, the, I, one of the things I've learned now uh, is that when we, we try, uh, and when we don't do this, I always regret it. We try to make sure that when we go into a montage, we just don't write montage starts here. We try to figure out what the, uh, what the device could be. And obviously, yeah. that it can always evolve a lot. And, and sometimes, and I'm not giving away any secrets, uh, that inflatable montage, there was, that was not preconceived. That was something that was invented in the editing room. In this one, we had the, kind of a kickoff. And that's all it was, was just the idea of uh, Jimmy talking and the, uh, you know, the overlapping of the different people that he's talking to. But boy, did Chris run with it. That's and what I love Chris, about and it by too. The way, Chris I, and Bromwin, I, I have to say also Bromwin oh, Hughes. Yeah. Oh, she did did Bromwin did, job. and she did that that massive, uh, wonderful uh, steady cam shot uh, that 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 takes us uh, oh, takes yeah. us under a bridge and then yeah. through the crowd and then Lots finally music. and then finally ends up uh, finally ends up right there with Jimmy opening up the tent. This was your first time working with Bronwyn, right? Cuz the the one she did on Breaking Bad was before Mike was introduced. Yeah, I mean she would yeah, she came up, she introduced herself yeah. when we had um, it was delightful. Nice. Yes. That's good. She has she has amazing energy and focus and she has a uh, I can't speak for what it's like to work with her as a performer, but she has such a wonderful eye, and she's a very visual, dramatic director. She is, she is, she is the real deal. Yeah, she's really nice talented. And, she's very talented. It was nice seeing uh, Dave Maddy and uh, Lavelle Crawford. Yes, in that scene too. Uh, Dave Maddy's a great cool. guy. Well, of course, I love everyone. Who doesn't love Lavelle? He's he oh. was the best. And then uh, Dave, who played Man Mountain, we finally gave him a name in El Camino, Clarence. It's nice seeing Clarence. Yes. I love him. He's a great guy. Thank you for not killing Clarence. Oh, man. Who would want to? Who could? He's a big. He's a big. He's a big. He's a. He's a, such a gentle. Uh, such a gentleman. Such a gentle gentleman. He's a great guy. It, well, it was fun working with him in the movie. I will say this. Having just seen like eight episodes in the last two days, 
I, I want to tell everybody you are in for a really big treat this year. It's really, really, really fun and very, very cerebral, I guess. I want to second that because <laughs> this, this season, I think, is, 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 is the best yet. And you say that every that's year. That's a high bar. <laughs> well, you know, and, I'm, and, I, and I think every year I'm proven right I, I, it, because it, this thing is on a logarithmic rise. It, it gets better every season, and I can finally say that without sounding like Actually, I've been able a couple of years now to say that without sounding like some self-serving asshole because it's this guy I had nothing to do with it. But it's really that it's is great. not true. That is you not true. Yeah. We wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be here without you. As you, yeah, as, you as you well I, know, I do have a question about pronounce it again. Log 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 logarithmic. If I'm saying that right, logarithmic. I don't know because it's new on me. But it's, it's a, it's, I'm, I'm like, like well, I know anything about math, but I think a logarithmic. Uh, uh, I think upward. it just goes upward. Yeah, well, I um, think. And and someone's going to listen to this and say no, that's not even remote. I'm going to say exponential. You so, know, exponential's probably better. So all you out there listening to this podcast, put down the joint, put down the beer bottle, and write that down and learn something. <laughs> Come on, this is an educational podcast. <laughs> um, well, speaking of education, we're going to have to wait until next week to find out how, uh, how things play out for all of our characters. So thank you guys for listening. Kelly, thank you for joining us. Thanks for Jonathan, asking. thank you for coming out here and, and uh, spending this rainy Saturday morning with us. Yeah. And now, if you'd like to know about fashion in the 1930s, <laughs> continue. Yeah. No, I got to tell you though. What, what were the 30s I've had, like? Listen, well, that's because <laughs> J- Jennifer. <laughs> what were the 30s like, motherfucker? Um, but let's, <laughs> Jennifer, Jennifer will talk about you know. The, um, I'm talking about the 1930s, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. The she'll talk about the line and the cut. So if you look at the at Fred Astaire and the way it might have been the finest hour for men's clothing, yeah. that the, the tight at the waist, little bit you know, not too broad in the shoulders, and that's all I got to say. Room for the boys. If you could, if you could afford it, because yeah. it was the 30s. And uh, <laughs> well. <laughs> And also, th- thank you, Peter and Vince. And as always, Joey. Thank you, sir. Thank you so much. Thank you, Joey. Joey. And and thank you, Jen, for putting this together. And Melissa out there. And, uh, yeah, uh, who can take us out? I think it should be Mr. Banks. I think it should. Can you well, give us a – oh, yeah. Just take us out however you like, actually. Well, I just uh, – however I like? Well, I want to do my, my disc jockey then do since it. we got a microphone. All right, here we go. And now another blast from the past, another sound of soul. If your heart can take it, come fly with me. This is Rockin' Robin on your 8 dial. Music for parking in the dark while in Rock Creek Park. And now from the year 5-8, Little Anthony and the Imperials and Shimmy, Shimmy, Coco. Yay! Yay! <laughs> there you go, there you go, there you go, there you go.